0: Welcome to Bamsey's Humanity First Podcast. I am Chris Ryan along with Peter Evers on this week's edition of the show. And today we're going to delve into who and what Bamsey is as we're engaged in a branding process to look at who we are as an organization and soliciting the input of individuals who work here in the organization about who we are, what are our best attributes, and how do we present ourselves uh, to the community and Commonwealth as a whole. Peter, how are you?
1: Well, thanks Chris. How are you
0: doing? Good. Appreciate you joining us here and uh, Yulia Lago is with us as well. Who's executive administration officer here at uh, Bamsy. Yulia, how are you?
2: Very well, Chris. How are
0: Good. you doing? Good. Appreciate you joining us. And Peter, as you're coming up on a year now as president and CEO, I want to kind of start off with what you have found out about Bamsy, who we are, what we do, some of the key attributes and how that aligns and how we go about aligning that with what our branding is.
1: Yeah, that's such a great question, especially because this is a year in, just about, um, uh, on March 2nd for me, um, and, it, you know, if you'd asked me that a couple of years ago, I think I'd have probably had a different answer uh, in terms of what I've learned over the last year, but the pandemic, of course, was something that um, that sort of arrived shortly after I did, so um, I've, I've spent a lot of time trying to dissuade people of the notion that I was responsible for COVID at Bamsey, and that's not true, but I would say there's a couple of things that we've learned uh, to start with And First of all, uh, the breadth of the services that Bamsey provide is remarkable. There are a few agencies in the state that can say that they provide services from the cradle to the grave and, 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 the, and, the, and the whole uh, human uh, condition. And that has been something that I've been really remarkably impressed by over the last year. And then you overlay that with the COVID pandemic. And you can look at that two ways, right? It, it, it is what it is. It arrived and it challenged this agency in, in probably in a way that it's never been challenged before. And what I've learned is that this is a bunch of people who rose to that channel challenge. This is a, a group of people who are dedicated firstly to the people that they serve and i am really really proud to be associated with that i'm not saying so sure if i can use the word proud but you know uh, uh, to be associated with an agency that uh, that faced this challenge and rose to that challenge and made sure that the people the vulnerable people that we serve were kept safe uh, you know if you look back at the number of infections and the number of uh, emergency operating procedures we had over that year period of time it was a significant number but we kept it to a minimal. We kept it to a place where we could still manage, where we could still provide the care that we needed to uh, provide and you know, provided smiles. I mean, there were people you know, struggling through this who were still able to look on the bright side of this. And I do believe that the human characteristic that gets most people through is that, that feeling of optimism, feeling that things are gonna get better. Um, and it's been a long time, but we've done a remarkable job as a group of people. And again, and I can't say this enough: a big, big shout out to those essential workers at, at Bamsi, who kept us going. I mean, they literally kept us going. Whether that was moving in uh, to homes for two-week periods to stop the spread, you know, whether it was um, agreeing to submit to uh, testing, you know, uh, a couple of times a month. Uh, those folks who have stood up and got the vaccinations, you know, uh, amazing work over the last year, but a, a, a year like no other, I would say.
0: COVID forced change. It forced change in how we behave as human beings. It forced changes in our organization. Some has been positive, some has been, been negative. What have been the, the biggest positive changes, the things that you feel needed to change at Bamsey and did as a result of um, the COVID environment and things that are going to stay with us uh, moving forward as a result of that force change?
1: Well, I think, you know, the decision-making process has changed a little bit. Uh, the ability of people to make decisions in real time when they need to. Um, this effort to sort of cut down on on red tape, uh, if you like, uh, and in so that everybody is involved in decisions, but decisions can be made quickly. And we were forced into doing that. We were forced into saying some of those old protocols do nothing but um, but delay uh, when when we really need to make quick decisions. And I think you know, as an agency, we've we've given people a permission, uh, and people have re- acted responsibly. And from that, we can look at some of those some of the ways in which we make those decisions and make changes accordingly. And I think, Yulia, you would agree, we've we've sort of been involved in that process. The other big thing. Um, is that we've, we have a lot of space at BAMSI and we were forced into lockdown and people were, had to stay home. Our essential workers couldn't. They came to the office, but our clinicians, our EI folks, our, our WIC, they were all doing the work uh, with the same consistency and the same success from home. Now, nobody wants us to continue as an all-at-home um agency, but we have the opportunity and we've learned that we don't necessarily need to be office bound, desk bound for everything we do, which leaves us with a dilemma. And I I haven't worked out whether this is a good dilemma or a bad dilemma, Chris, but it is a dilemma. We have a lot of space, Mm -hmm. Ramsey, and we have worked out now that we have the technology to do our jobs remotely um, in different places. Do we need all of that space? And if we don't, we can with a significant savings that we can make around our rents and our leases that we can plow back into the workforce. I would say that is the biggest thing that we've learned in the last year.
0: Yeah, and what is the process going to be for kind of figuring out that stuff as you know we begin to get vaccinated as an organization, um, and the process you know changes in terms of staying um, the, kind of that work at home versus work in the office. Balance. Uh, is there a timetable for kind of figuring out exactly um, when people are going to return to to work and how you're going to go about um, you know structuring that?
1: Yeah, um, it's a great question, and it's one of those you know the two handed psychologists you know on one hand and on the other. But you know here we have very different ways of doing work. We have, so it's there. There are probably 25 different answers to that question, and each one of them has to be tailored to the type of service that we deliver to people. But there are overarching um, issues there that we can actually think about. Is it? Are we going to tie people to their desks in the office anymore? No, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to work with people to to have a hybrid model, I think, of of what our service delivery system looks like. Um, And, you know, there's a question of being subject to what happens in the future and how you create your Mm -hmm. future. And I think as this group of leaders are beginning to think, about how do we create our own future here that best meets the needs of the people that we serve. And actually that begins next week with a conversation between the finance department and facilities to say, what do we have? What what on a big grid do we have in terms of square footage, where it is, the number of people in those agencies, the technology that supports 50% of those people to work remotely at any given time, what's the resulting square footage that actually might be redundant or superfluous requirements. crime. so I think that's the beginning point. And then, of course, all of the clinical people are going to be, and the program people are going to be involved in that conversation.
0: I want to get into the branding in a second, but I have one more question on this, then we'll bring in uh, Yulia. Um, in terms of the programs that we provide, um, you know, some parents in our early intervention program have really enjoyed having it done remotely and some have said, you know what, it just doesn't, doesn't work the same. I can't, you know, sit a, a really young child in front of a um, computer and have them be engaged. But others said it works great for my schedule to be able to do this remotely. Um, what is your sense on how we're going to be able to utilize uh, programs and telemedicine, if you will, um, moving forward with, with programs in order to utilize uh, the, or find the ability to um get to where people, um, you know, are best served?
1: Yeah. Well, I think if you take the principle of treatment planning, the main principle nowadays of treatment planning is meeting the person served where they're at. Uh, And if you begin with that, you know, it is true that we have been seeing people at Whitman counseling all the way through this. And those are people who just cannot tolerate using technology. So, people's comfort, level of comfort with that the efficacy of the interventions is not determined by the intervention it's determined by how the person responds to that which is why I think a hybrid model is absolutely right we might remain remote with some people I do think that it's that it shouldn't be completely remote I think uh, and some of those models look at you know uh, say four visits remote One of them has to be in the office. Again, we have to work all of those things out. But I think um, what we will have is a hybrid that meets the needs of those individuals. um, And we will have those discussions with them. But aren't we in a great position where we can say we've added to our slate of, of ways of delivering? How do you want how do you want to use this? Which is really different than saying you have to do this all by uh, remote now because people don't like to hear that their options are uh, are, are narrowed like that. But actually, we're expanding them.
0: Julia, uh, how is the vax vaccination process going within um, the organization, to your knowledge? And uh, what is kind of the deadline, if you will, if people want to be vaccinated as a part of our um, program that we're pushing out? Before um, you know the, you have to get it. It's kind of the same place as the general population.
2: Yeah, the vaccinations have been going really quite wonderfully. We have um, vaccinations of persons served in our group homes, um, close to 90%. Um, Total, we vaccinated 965 people um, and about half of our staff, about 590 individuals have been vaccinated thus far. Um, So that's been really wonderful. We've had partnered with ApotheCare and CVS to do vaccination clinics, um, both at the group homes and our administrative offices. Um, we have one big clinic coming up um, but after that um, any employee who's decided to wait and hold off and see how the vaccine process goes um, we will need to find a a provider through the um, mass.gov website.
0: So it's best to obviously utilize our program so that it's right there, it's available, it's accessible, you don't have to wait and things of, of that nature. Um, is there how do individuals, if they're interested in being a part of that next um, process, is there somewhere they can go? Do they contact their supervisor? How does that work if you're interested in um, in getting vaccinated in that next uh, next availability?
2: Um, they should contact um, Samantha Emerald if they're interested, yeah. who is the director of admin support at BAMSI.
0: And let's talk a little bit about the branding effort um, as we have had a consultant who has looked at that and uh, released some findings. Um, What's the status of that project, Yulia? What have been the findings so far and um, your takeaways in regards to what those were?
2: Yeah, so we've been, we partnered with Charlie Kahn of Icon Brand Architecture to kind of take us through this branding process. And he put together, kind of a a six month proposal of how this whole process will flow. Um, And so the first part of that is doing um, the discovery phase. So it involves, you know, looking at competitors and collaborators, people who are in this space and how they represent themselves, um, but also doing a lot of interviews and a lot of surveys with people already associated with BAMSI. Um, So Charlie did 33 stakeholder interviews. Um, He talked to management and staff, person served, um, stakeholders in the community, and other consultants. I think, Chris, you were even interviewed as part of this process.
0: Big if true. No, it, it is true. <laughs>
2: um, and so he had 19 questions that he asked all 33 individuals and then provided a summary of those responses. He looked at, I think he said around 800 different brand marks and gave us a survey of what all of those look like by category. Um, and then we did a, um, a survey of our own staff. Um, and had a, a really good turnout of people telling us what they thought BAMSI meant to them. And the feedback was really great. Um, I think it was really positive. You know, when you know, he put together a kind of a word cloud of what the external stakeholders thought of when they thought of BAMSI, and words like caring, supportive, inclusive, diverse, compassionate, respectful, friendly, trustworthy, you know, some really wonderful terms came up. Um, and in our own staff survey, you know, the question we opened, the best thing about BAMSI is, um, and the number one answer was the work, uh, our staff really love the work they're able to do here. And I'd say we do wonderful work. Um, our direct care staff are amazing in what they provide, um, you know, employees, the people, the services, um, again, compassion, compassionate. Um, the person served, all of that comes up as the top reasons people like being part of Bamsi.
0: Yeah, I think sure. you know, Peter. I mean, compassion is probably the the number one um, item that you would want to hear if you're mm-hmm. an organization like ours. Compassion and knowledge, um, I think, are, are most important. Well, being well trained, knowledgeable in your, your subject matter, um, being able to provide the service. But in order to provide that service, a lot of times you have to have compassion and empathy. Um, in order to be able to connect, and so I thought those were all really positive things to hear from um, to hear from our workers and stakeholders.
1: Yeah, um, I, I think so too. And Yulia, um, I think um, before you talk about the next phase of it, but I think some people might be listening to this and saying, "Why on earth are you branding? What is the point of branding? Where we've been around for a long time, you know, people know us." We do a lot of stuff, and um, why, would, why would you want to spend money on looking at your brand when we're already doing all of these things? And I think that's a legitimate question that needs to be answered. So uh, perhaps we can sort of do that together, but do you, do you want to give your initial impression of this?
2: Yeah. I mean, I wrote an article for the Bamsey Buzz, our internal newsletter, where I talked about a brand is really your, your promise. It's, it's what you people can come to expect from your organization. And I use McDonald's as an example. You know, we think of the brand as being the golden arches, but the brand is really that you know when you see them, you're going to get a consistent quality, value meal. Um, And that's McDonald's brand. That's what they built it on. It's the consistency across. It's that you know what you're going to get. It's going to be clean. It's going to be delivered in a certain way. Um, The Bamsey brand is our, you know, our compassion. But we offer so many services in so many different ways, and we're, we're geographically very diverse. So really coming up with our, our story of who we are and what we do in a way that we can, we can tell that to people who know us and people who don't. Um, so we really can grow who we are.
1: Right. And I think when we started this process, we thought, well, what do we, what do we want from this? Um, and I think the things that we realized that w- what we wanted was when we talked about a strategic plan was, you know, diversing our revenue s- uh, streams. So branding actually helps to push out to another layer in our community of people that might be interested in giving. So building a, d- a donor base who are interested and therefore getting people more interested, more knowledge in the community and then getting uh, a name for a uh, an agency that is forward thinking. You know, you think about the work that we've done. You know, with the, with the crisis center, you, you, you think about all of those things that we're doing. But we also want to attract people to come and do the work. Uh, and yeah, let's be honest, we've struggled with that. We run a high vacancy rate. And branding is also uh, directed at persuading people. And by the way, standing behind what we're promising, persuading people that this is a place which is a preferred employer that cares about the people who are doing the work as well as the people we serve, uh, and, and maintaining that balance and, and uh, getting people in the door and keeping them.
0: Yeah, there has to be a clear identity of what a entity is and to have that kind of cross across uh, boundaries. And that identity is as much of an idea as it is an actuality in some circumstances. And, um, you know, if you as a individual is looking for a job You cut when you're kind of starting. You're looking for yourself, and you're trying to figure out where you want to go. You do the things that you go to the places that you know. It's kind of like um, when you're traveling. Some people like to go to the local places, but most people like to go to the brand they know. And they'll go to if you're traveling in in Mexico, like Ted Cruz. um, Hopefully, you're there for a little longer than he is. um, You're going to uh, perhaps go to McDonald's as opposed to go to the local. uh, Mexican food place because you know when you go to McDonald's this is what you're going to get. And that is so important in terms of establishing the um, workforce, but also you mentioned the um, the sales side of things, which is significant. A nonprofit organization needs to have um, people that give money to the entity. And in order for them to give money, they have to have a clear understanding and kind of an elevator pitch as to what the entity is. And one of the major problems, um, you know, that existed in our organization is that you would ask for an elevator pitch from anybody, and you—if you asked hundred people, you likely get a hundred different ele- um, elevator pitches. And it needs to be uniform. It needs to be clear. There—there there doesn't necessarily have to be just one, but there should be like five um, that is clearly identif- identifiable and understanding. And in order to—to to make money, at times, you do need to to invest and to me you know investing in, in determining a, a brand you mentioned the golden arches of McDonald's like what is going to be our easily identifiable um, symbol um, how do we go about utilizing a symbol in order to um, cast forth the, the messaging that we want um, and we also talked about the name and changing the name and you know we found that um, people really liked the name BAMSI. And um, because that is the, really the sole unifying identification of the organization um, where people, no matter what part of it they're in, they identify with that, with BAMSI as the as the name. It may mean different things to different people, but that, in my view, is kind of that, that thing that um, people wanted to hold on to as being, you know, uh, what they identify with. So what did we find in regards to the name, um, Yulia? Well, it was
2: interesting. We found most people didn't care what the acronym BAMSY stood for or didn't even know. <laughs> um, they just called it BAMSY. Um, but there's a really strong emotional attachment to that name. People really love it and it, it means something to them. Um, and so that was a really important piece to discover. Um, you know, oftentimes you'll have people go, well, what, what's the point of doing all this research? We know who we are. Um, but I would say you don't. You think you know who you are. Um, doing this, this type of background research gives you the data to really go, no, people do love this name. It's not just our little little group who likes it. It's, it has cachet in the community and we need to keep it.
0: But it's a cachet within our specific service area, but when you want to go and, um, you know, solicit for donations or have um, uh, partnerships with corporations. There may not be that clearly, um, you know, identifiable um, cross uh, understanding.
2: No, uh, and that's why you build the brand as a whole, so that you have that story and that brand mark that you attach to the name. And when you go out into the community and attract new, you know, person served or donors or any other connection, um, they can relate back to it.
0: Peter, what were your takeaways from um, and, and what do you think the next steps need to be in regards to the um, branding operation?
1: Well, I mean, I think the really important thing with anything is the communication of this. And so that we're doing this um, podcast so that people hear about the process, which, you know, and obviously Yulia has done the bamsy buzz, but getting the word out that we're going through this process. The next thing is making sure that the board are aware of this as well. So we're actually presenting to the board um, first uh, Thursday in March um, so that they'll hear where we're up to. The next is focusing on our tagline, our image. What does the image look like? Um, what What is appropriate? Uh, and Charlie's already begun this process of saying, look, here, here's your competitors. This is what they look like. And we've got this really broad um, spectrum of, Uh, of images, as you were talking about before, Chris, some of which are very bland and very ordinary and are not memorable, and others that are so intricate that you've no idea what they stand for, and so really, it, the question is: How do we identify that as something that people will remember? I, I think about FedEx. Actually, FedEx always strikes me as an as an example of something that's really, really interesting. It says FedEx. You don't know much about that. Look at the look at the E and the F. I think that's right uh, in in the um, uh, in the logo, and there's a white arrow. Which, which depicts moving forward, you know, breaking, breaking barriers, that kind of thing. I, I, I think the logo is really important in terms of how, uh, in terms of making that decision, but also the tagline uh, and, you know, what, what do we say right now? Well, right now we say we're bringing people and services together, which is, which is fine, but I think we can do better than that in describing all of the things that Yulia talked about before, the care, the compassion, The dedication to the people we serve, we've got to sum that up in two or three words that tells a bit, a bigger story of that. And that's really the next step. And Julia, on a timeline basis, what are we looking at? I think we're about two months in, is that right? Or two and a half months?
2: Yeah, we're about two months in. Um, The holiday slowed us down a little bit um, with the interviews, but yeah, so we have about four months left to go in this.
0: Yeah. When you think about um, branding a lot of time, you know, sports teams come to mind and how their symbols represent um, something that is unique uh, and identifiable to the culture of that city or that state along with the with the the name and I think that type of branding is it's what's probably the best uh, the best known and identifiable and you know for us, I think it's finding something that talks about what we do and who we are and is also, um, it's cre- very symbolic and identifiable to our our region. I've talked before about with both of you about the lighthouse and the significance of the of the lighthouse and how the lighthouse you know, sits out um you know in challenging waters and provides light to ships and say and would save them from you know crashing into the rocks and things of that nature in our area. To me that's something that um you know that type of symbolism is so important because it Brings out culture. It also brings out you know who you want to be as a as an organization. To me, that that's the type of um, you know the type of direction that we certainly need. Something that makes sense in the area, but also you know, that it also d- defines who we are. So it's a really interesting process to me. And what I think is most um, intriguing about it is that we're engaging the people in our organization to be a part of it. And um, how is is that going to take place? We've already done, as you mentioned, kind of going. Across the the spectrum and bringing in as many different voices as possible, how is that process going to um, to continue in the slogan, in the um, the name of the uh, the organization, and in the symbols for the organization?
2: Well, I'm hoping that we'll do some listening sessions around it. Um, you know, we've done some surveys and getting community buy in and feedback on all of this. So. Yeah, I think as we come up with some some taglines and some suggestions, you know, bringing them back to the BAMSI community as a whole and hearing feedback and thoughts on them. Um, I know Peter and I want to go and do more home visits out in the programs. And so that's one of the things I'd like to bring to those conversations. And just what do you think? You know, this is this is your organization. You represent it. You being the people in the field. So I, they they need to believe in it.
1: And I think, you know, some people um, will will say, why are you spending your time and money on this? And that's a really good question. The answer is, how does it fit into our overall goals, which are related to our strategic plan, which make us more financially um, uh, in a better off position? And we're reducing those vacancies. And, you know, that's what we have to stand behind. This is an effort to get to where we need to be. Uh, and we need to we need to be able to stand behind that um, and 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 explain it and then see the results.
0: Well, Yulia, Peter, thanks so much, and uh, we look forward to talking to you both again soon.
1: Thank you, thanks, Chris. Have a good day.
0: Thanks. All right, Yulia Lago as well as Peter Evers. This has been Bamsey's Humanity First podcast. I am Chris Ryan. Have a great rest of the week, everybody.